Hello and welcome to the VSUP podcast, the virtualization podcast personally approved by Donald Trump. Now that the first rays of summer are upon us, we're celebrating by going naked. Luckily, not only for our listeners, but for my neighbours, that means it's just the three of us. <laughs> if you'd like to be on the show and have plenty to talk about that isn't a product pitch, then email guest at vsoup.net and we'll get back to you. Hi guys, how's it going? Pretty good. I'm not sure we're going to get more guests if we want them to be nudists. <laughs> yeah, all guests must be clothed. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, we're, we're the nudists. Ah, okay. That, yeah, that's fine then. That's, that's how it's always been, so. Yeah. <laughs> no changes Just there. feel comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Again, th- there is a reason why we don't do video, so. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's all been fun. We've actually finally got some decent weather at once, for once, so I'm trying to make the most of it. Okay. Uh, that's you guys, uh, not up here north. That's, uh, no, you don't, you, you don't have summer yet. <laughs> no. We had a hailstorm yesterday. So. Mm. Oh crikey! Yeah, no, yeah. that's 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 pretty bad. I don't think I could deal with hail. It's it's been a hell of a week. Um, I've uh, I've been on antibiotics, so I've had to be sober for a week and like you know in the real world, and it sucks. Terrible. Oh okay, so we get grumpy Chris <laughs> this week then. <laughs> I don't normally have like the comfort blanket of being slightly drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was mostly Ed, but okay. But he, he's a parent now, so that's probably... Yeah, hey, I've had to calm it down a bit, you know. <laughs> exactly, someone had to, like, take over the, man- the mantle of it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I guess, sort of, first things first, a little bit of news-wise. Um, notice that uh, EMC has been digging its hands in its wallet, uh, quite deeply in its wallet, um, possibly down the back of the sofa as well, and stumped up $1.2 billion for VirtuStream. Which is quite a lot, a lot of money, really. Um, but I don't think they're just buying data centers with it. Right, it's a, it should be a bloody big data center then. <laughs> that that mean, would be come huge. On. You, you could even fill a data center with Evo mm. Rails for that kind of money. <laughs> sure, <laughs> might have to get the cheap ones. Um, now, now you can reuse the licenses, so it's fine. So, oh, that's all right then. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I. I had a, a quick look at, uh, at Chad's post on it, and Chad, as ever, has done a very detailed post. Um, and I got about as far as I could before my eyes started to bleed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it seems to be actually the, the the core of why they purchased them is around their software. Um, so they were doing cloud management software long before VMware or, or EMC were trying to do cloud management software. So they've got a bit of a head start of it, and have done quite a good job. Um, so much so that you know, I think the only re- way that EMC could buy it was to uh, uh, to actually buy the company. And they're doing it without OpenStack. Huh? Yeah, uh, it's, you know, you you hear a lot about OpenStack is just a science product project. Um, but then again, if you know, if you look at HP's platform, HP's Helion stuff, that's I think that's kind of like OpenStack delivered in a box. Yeah, but but the box is broken and has been <laughs> not been delivered by UPS for two weeks. But it's got bits of gaffer tape on it and yeah. string hanging out the back. <laughs> it got mounts. falsely delivered to a few different places before it got <laughs> to you. Eventually, just thrown over the gate. Uh, possibly by intercepted by the NSA on the way. You never know. <laughs> Postman was drunk. You know. But yeah, so you know, apart from that, it's turnkey. And, uh, 
VirtuStream is uh, is is on uh, VCloud Air Network as well, aren't they? So, um, Are yeah. So, well, so does that does that mean they've got a data center that is part of that sort of platform? Is that as if that's separate to their their existing platform, or I don't know. But <laughs> if EMC is buying VirtuStream, who is a part of VMware's VCloud Air Network. How does that work? <laughs> well, that's my, who here? <laughs> that was my thought uh, as well about the whole vCloud Air thing because it seems like um, right now especially VMware is, is really pushing it. And they mm. put up some new data centers here in Europe. And I would guess that it's a good possibility also that it's not just software but the actual data center space and maybe taking someone out of being competition. Yeah, I think the taking someone out of competition is probably key because, um, yeah, they you know if you look at Gartner and Forrester and stuff, you know, VirtuStream are on there, um, and they're they're not small on there either. You know, they're they're a, a relatively significant player, I, I suspect. Um, and so yeah, it's 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 a way of I guess you know if you if you can't beat them, acquire them. Yep. I don't know. I, 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 I mean, th- th- this kind of thing is so way out of what I usually work with. So I, I, I'm not sure I totally get why all of this stuff is happening. Uh, it might, I might just be dunce. That might be the 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 easy solution for this. But I, I don't quite get it at all. <laughs> to be honest, the clouds, the cloud stuff, or what? No, but all of these buyouts and big acquisitions and and whatever. I, I, I don't quite get why EMC would want VirtuStream. But well, that's probably due to my lack, my ignorance of the what VirtuStream does. But Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't really quite understand it either. But, I mean, not talking about EMC directly, but talking about basically every, co- every company these days. Um, it seems like nobody innovates anymore. They only buy companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, have you been watching Silicon Valley? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, in, I don't think innovation itself is is dead. You know, people are still clever. People are still inventing clever things. It's just that they don't happen to work for the big corporate at the time when they invent the clever things. Or clever uh, people invent these clever things, and then they get bought by these monster companies. Yeah. You know. Because it's much easier to acquire than it is to fund a, a an R and D unit that may or may not turn up something good. Yeah. So why not, you know, uh, only pick the successful ones? Um, try and pick them. You know, I guess there's a little bit of crystal ball looking into right which one of these are going to be actually going somewhere, and yeah, they're the ones we're, we're going to acquire. Yeah, and standard. So you acquire them, the cheaper it's going to be. And standardly, R and D holds the the biggest budget in any company that's uh, doing some software or anything like that. Yeah, it absolutely should. But I, I guess sometimes investors want to see a little bit less of that money going towards R and D and a bit more going to their dividends. Yeah. Um, and put so everything I, into whatever platform you have that is just you just need some magic to happen there. We're basically talking about Nucleus from 
again, Silicon Valley. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm too techy, I guess. I'm not too businessy. I'm not Hooli. Hooli? Yeah, the company, the bad, big bad company in Silicon Valley. I've been, I've been watching that w way too much lately. <laughs> I think I watched the first first couple of episodes of it. Uh, it sounds, yeah. you know, sounds interesting. Surprisingly, uh, I've never heard of it. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of about a guy that um, has got an idea for a startup, and the actual idea for the startup is kind of weak. But there's a spin-off part of it that he's essentially invented an amazing compression algorithm. Um, and it's this compression algorithm that the evil overlord from the company that isn't Google. Um, <laughs> no, it's Hooli. It's Hooli. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I just had a, a bad joke um, oh, that's in something. relation to when you said, like, he came up with an or, uh, a startup that didn't really have a good innovation. Was he coming up with a flash storage company? <laughs> <laughs> It's an all flash array. <laughs> AFA is for the win. Nobody ever seen it before. Yeah, but they've got some really, really good merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> they were lucky when they picked the color on the Pantone scale, I guess. Ooh, we're getting dangerous here. Oh. <laughs> we're getting a little close to. Uh... No. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's not that reality, but. Um... Nah. Yeah, I, you know, I think sort of the whole incubator culture, um, you know, do you, you try and invest wisely in people that are coming out of computer science programs? Uh, I don't know if that's it. That, that seems to be kind of like the US model. I don't know if the uh, there's models that are different across, across the world. I mean, I know um, Israel has, you know, a very big high-tech culture, and they can actually work on sort of startups, particularly in the security industry, as part of their national service. Hmm. Um, and they're, they're then encouraged by the government to go and do a startup, which they then seem to kind of sell to EMC anyway. <laughs> well, but you know, got got to make money somehow. Can't absolutely. Just... Um, but, but it does seem that's kind of how a lot of the sort of innovation, well, I mean, from a security industry point of view, that seems to be the, the Israeli thing. Um but across Amir, I'm not too sure if it's the same. Um, whether it is this sort of, you know, the the American model of instant gratifications, like yeah, we, you know, we're not going to grow something ourselves. We'll just buy it and make it work. And I guess how quickly they can make it work is the important bit. Yep, how fast they can integrate it and make money off of it. Yeah, you know, there's, there's one thing announcing a press release and a nice detailed blog post on how fantastic your new acquisition is, but if you can't monetize that acquisition and, and actually, A, get out the door, and B, have it value, adding value to your existing products faster than you could develop that technology in-house, then why did you do the acquisition in the first place? You know, but then for how evil a lot of people say Google is... They're one of these last companies that are doing this stuff, these internal projects, hmm. spending a ton of money on R&D. I mean... Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, I think it's something that should be fostered, even though you know, it comes with a little bit of, of illness. Um, that, yeah, that, that R&D culture and that, we, you know, we should strive to, to build better ourselves where we can do.
I mean, where would we be without Google Wave, you guys? <laughs> yeah, you know, that was, that was kick-ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's a, there's a big, um, I don't think there's a big startup kind of mentality in Norway at, at all. I don't see any, we have, we have Opera software. I mean, they made a browser at one point. Uh, other than that, I don't think much is happening in that kind of uh, startup uh software development stuff locally here. I mean, they're kind of encouraging it here in Switzerland, but the problem is it's just too damned expensive. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's the same here as well. Yeah. I mean... Are there <laughs> enough... Is, is it better for people you know, who live in Norway that want to go and do that thing to actually go and study in other countries and probably end up working out there. Probably so. You know, if, if, if you're a Norwegian with a plan, is it better to, to stick in Oslo or is it better to try and either go to other parts of Europe or even across the States? I, w- I would think that most people try to actually go across the States, to be honest, because, because I, 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 Norway isn't big enough, you know. Um, we, we won't be able to get the next kind of Google or Microsoft or whatever going here because once we get somewhere along those lines, EMC will buy us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I actually mean the the country, uh, not the, <laughs> the, the application. So. Like what? They have some a good piece of software. Buy the whole country. Yeah, yeah. Well. we'll just call it Norplex. <laughs> <laughs> But but the the Norwegian government is actually trying to to do something with regards to data centers and energy efficiency and that kind of thing here. So, uh, by the looks of it, it looks like the Norwegian government is trying to encourage building uh, new and more environmentally friendly data centers in Norway and, and are kind of subsidizing with tax cuts and stuff for getting stuff like that done. And that's that's interesting because that at the long tail of it, it might actually end up with uh, more uh, services around those data centers as well, which again might turn into new products. You never know. So there there are interesting things going on there as well. But I don't don't think that we're a big kind of startup company uh, country. Not at the moment, anyway. Uh, I, sp- I suppose, like you know, and if they do that, and you have you know, areas where there's lots of data centers, then the, the advantages in that area, you'll get much better pizza delivery. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. you know, think, think about it, you're going to have a lot more people working night shifts and they're going to demand good quality pizza. Yeah. So, you know, it's a win-win situation. Yeah, that's probably the best business idea surrounding the data center stuff is <laughs> put up a pizza hut or something. Pizza hut, it's awful pizza, man. <laughs> I know. That's why, that's <laughs> why I used it as an example. I mean, come on. <laughs> that and a Taco Bell. We don't need all the American stuff. No, forget about it. You've got all the best names. All the yeah. best names. Uh, does Taco Bell actually exist outside of the U.S.? I didn't think so. I don't I don't know. I think, I I think there was like one in London once. <laughs> and then you guys burned it to the ground or what happened? We, yeah, we, we quite sensibly raised it. <laughs> it was for its own good. <laughs> is euthanasia legal over there I don't know I don't think you can take a restaurant to Dignitas um, 
It's not quite the same thing. Oh, probably not, but some of them should be. <laughs> so, Ed, what, what have you been up to recently? Me? Oh, yeah. Just like uh, today, spent the whole day doing a Horizon uh, Mirage uh, POC. Pretty oh, cool. There, there's, uh, there's another Israeli startup, by the way. Uh, Wanovia or something like that? I, I can't pronounce yeah. the name. Yeah, the, it originated in Israel, actually, from some guys from Cisco and some other companies, I think. But actually a really cool product and does a lot. Very powerful, but not exactly easy to set up. Hmm. I mean, um, it might a few technical issues here and there. Some are on our side, some are on the side of the, the product itself. But, I mean, it took us basically the whole day to get it up and running and importing uh, images. Okay. But... My hope is once it's um, fully up and everything's imported and ready to go, that it's rock stable and it just kind of works, you know. That's, that's, that's the impression I have from from people who actually run it. I, I haven't played with it myself, honestly. I, I've read a lot about it and I've looked at it, but I, I haven't run it in any kind of production environment. But, but the, the people I've talked to about it are pretty happy with it, to be honest. Yeah, I was like... Why do we need another endpoint manager? I mean, SCCM, you know, has been doing that good for blah, 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 however much time. Good? But, yeah. Well, you know, I would say good enough that, uh, okay. that we used it extensively, you know. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, this has so many more features, including, like, like going uh, virtual to physical, actually changing the machines to uh, uh, VDI instances if you want mm. to, and yeah. really flexible I and powerful. Uh, and it's actually so just in that. case the year of VDI does come along, then you can uh, quickly go. Oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to be on that. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that disappointed me about View is that they got rid of the offline client. No one ever uses it. Well, I mean, I could see some use cases where you would, right? Okay. I mean, that's what you have player for. I mean, if you're in some kind of a. Uh, sales role or some kind of something like that and i don't want to get too close to what i actually do mm -hmm. but uh if you had a point where you didn't always have network access okay so so what would you use the uh, the vm for if you don't have network access you don't have mail you don't have whatever you can synchronize your files down to your local machine or whatever well, it's so. not just files it's like it, yeah. it would be the mapping of different devices via via bluetooth via usb all that kind of stuff and pretty much programming um devices from that machine okay, okay. So not, why, not why would you average field sales kind of role uh mm -hmm. well field sales but also um without getting too close to what i do again kind of like programming devices for end users okay yeah, sure so, so you could have that in a local VM. Uh, yeah, but the problem is you need to update a main database, which you can't do without network access anyway. Yeah, but I mean, if you could do it, well, if you could do it locally and then it would sync later in the same instance. Oh, like a sort of a batch, a batch upload when you. Yeah, do yeah. Okay. But then, if you have to switch machines and use kind of like. I guess the answer to this would be like Horizon Flex, mm -hmm. um, which is basically kind of like using Workstation or Fusion. Yeah. Um, you would have it would be basically a completely different machine, and you would wind up falling out of date. And 
Sure, but you can manage both of those with Mirage and have your data synchronized between the two instances. Yeah, that is that is true, but then you have to buy licenses for both. Which Whereas is why... When, when you could just buy licenses for just the endpoint <laughs> part of Mirage uh -huh. and have it manage your machine, have it manage your app layer, manage your drivers, all that, there's no need to log into a VDI interface. Yeah, that's true. You know... But, I, but I, I, I like the idea of Mirage, I, I do, the, the, the layering stuff that you can do when you can remove your device drivers, you can remove applications, you can shuffle stuff around and put it back in again, which makes it easy to kind of replace your laptop if you need to. Um, you can have the same image streamed down back again to your different, to your new laptop, which is, you had to buy from a different vendor or something. So there's a lot of fun stuff to, you can do with Mirage that you can't do does with it, other does solutions. Does it app volumes? Sorry? Does it, does it do the whole app volume thing? Um, yeah, kind of, yes. Yeah, where you can put the apps on in a layer. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it doesn't integrate with app volumes, at least not yet. Okay. Directly. But you, you manage your applications as a uh, different applications in the application layer. So you can kind of stream them into your your main uh, image if you want to. Yeah, so you can have a base image and then various application layers. So you would say this office in this country gets this base image with this language plus mm. these applications in this language. And makes it a bit easier than installing an image for each country, you know. Yeah, yeah removes the, removes the device drivers as well, which you, you can use to Shuffle stuff stuff around if you need to. Yeah, between however many different models of yeah. machines you're using. Mm. Cool. But the, so, uh, the main uh, main thing with sorry, go main, ahead. Yeah, the main thing with Mirage from from the start when when Ova started doing this was basically the uh, the uh, synchronization protocol or replication protocol that they d developed, which kind of compress, compression and deduplication and whatever, that was kind of the basis of, of the product to start with. So you could do stuff over 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 WAN links instead of having to have the uh, a full pipe. Cool. And with riverbeds in front of those guys, even better. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting solution. And it, 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 it's kind of cobbled in with the Horizon suite, which kind of makes it hidden as a, as a kind of VDI thing, but it, but it isn't really. Um, you can use it for VDI, but it wasn't really supported uh, for VDI workloads until uh, the last few uh, releases, I think. And, and you couldn't really do uh, supported migrations from physical to virtual with it either. It, it was possible to do so, but it wasn't supported to do so. So... It's it, it's been kind of hovering between a, a physical endpoint and virtual endpoint kind of management solution for quite some time, but it, but it's VMware places it inside of the end user computing uh, kind of division, which I guess makes a lot of people think that it's for VDI use only. Would be cool to also see it integrate with AirWatch when they mm -hmm. get that put together. Yeah, have you guys played that? Mobile devices as well. Yeah, we're we're a big user of AirWatch. Okay. Yeah. I, I've done a lot of fun stuff with AirWatch lately. So. Not everybody likes it too much because of the ability 
the, the powerful abilities to do whatever you want with a device. <laughs> uh, you get a lot of information from AirWatch. <laughs> if you want to, yeah. yeah. I, I actually did a customer demo uh, of AirWatch um, a few months ago. Um, and I, ha I have a test account in their, in their uh, cloud-based uh, setup and added my own iPhone to it and had that running for a few days before the meeting. And I kind of just logged on to the ad admin interface and, and started showing off how stuff worked with rolling out applications from the, uh, from the Apple, uh, Apple store and whatever. Um, and then we went into the location tab <laughs> and I could actually track my mo movements every five minutes for the last few days uh, since I set this up. So, as an experiment, we tried actually to figure out how fast I was driving towards the customer site. And we were pretty much able to figure out from the data points there how that, if I was speeding or not on my way to the customer. <laughs> wow, so it is, it is proper, proper Big Brother software. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, there's, a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of info in there. But it's, but it's, does it, it deploy in 15 minutes? Uh, the cloud-based one, yeah. Wow. Pretty much. But I, I guess, yeah, if you're looking at, at sort of thing, you know, things like Mirage, that because the, the nature of the products, I mean, that's not the sort of thing that you could deploy as a quote-unquote turnkey appliance application. You know, no one's going to suddenly develop a bot with a pretty faceplate that says, "Yeah, this is this is your Mirage box. Just plug me in, and everything will be marvelous and smelling of, of unicorn scent." <laughs> I want some of your drugs, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. It it just seems that you know there's this kind of big play made by a number of vendors as to the the speed at which you can get it up, and it, there's uh, um, there, there's almost like a, a race. Race to the bottom of like, well, you can deploy ours in fifteen minutes, and then someone else is going to say, well, you can deploy ours in thirteen minutes, and so I go, well, you can do ours in twelve and a half, and it, it seems that people are making a purchase. They're probably taking longer on the purchasing decision, well, than it is to deploy the software or hardware or appliance or whatever the the item that they're they're trying to be be pitched at, and you kind of wonder that. But honestly, do we do we care? I mean, if, if something takes minutes or a couple of days, okay, a couple of days, you probably silence get a bit bit annoyed with something. But the, the difference between fifteen minutes and two hours. I mean, seriously, you 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 set stuff up. You don't continually set stuff up again and again and again. So you don't actually. I, I, I did the Evo Evo Rail Challenge on VMworld last year, and I did it in 15 minutes something. Okay. Which is pretty cool. Okay, fine. It's it's easy. It's it's quick. But then, again, how many times do I actually need to do that? And if it, if it takes 15 minutes or an hour, who cares? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think of the... What's the, the life cycle of an average infrastructure component? Mm-hmm. Five years? Yeah. Uh, yeah, if your accounting if your accounting principles work in the US, then it's five years. If it's in the UK, it's three. Yeah. Um, is the amount of time that it's written off. Mm -hmm. um, so, over that lifetime, 
the you know that's going to be fractions upon fractions of a percent of its of the device's lifetime sent, setting up. Mm. Um, that so much so if you know if you did it on a regular pie chart, it would probably be represented by one pixel. Um, so it really doesn't make that much difference unless it is significant. I suppose it's what's more important is the amount of time that you then spend looking after it. Mm-hmm. And you know when that when it goes wrong and that wonderfully simple interface that you just had to plug in and didn't need to know anything about because it just configured itself, you're then left upon the mercy of a, a support department that and a support contract that you paid for that's got the SLAs on that, but you're suddenly at their mercy rather than at something that you can actually research and look up yourself yeah, because well, yeah, worse you don't yet, have the secret engineer login. Worse yet, yeah, there's more to it, but it's all locked down. Hmm. Yeah. And no documentation, no information about that. Yeah, like Chris said, just for a support department to handle. And if you have to tune um, have to tune performance or have to tune any any little part or even troubleshooting an issue you're having it's uh it's yeah at the mercy of uh of the vendor and yeah and if if you don't want that vendor connecting to your device then you're stuffed you know if you have if that's in an isolated environment where either because it's not physically connected to the internet or the internet connection's so bad that it's designed to work isolated then that's surely a risk that you you can't take and you can't deploy something like that Yeah, I'd rather spend I'd rather spend a good solid day setting something up and thinking about the architecture just so everything works right rather than plugging something in 15 minutes and uh, hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah, but it, for the most part, this this stuff does what it it, it is supposed to do. Uh, that's not, I mean, for the most part, uh, that's fine. But I I, I don't get why. There is this race to get this stuff up and running in as fast as humanly possible. When we're talking about fifteen minutes or twenty minutes or thirty minutes, who 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 cares? You don't. If I'm going to deploy fifteen thousand Evo rails, that's fine. But I would script it then instead of doing it through the wizard anyway. Yeah, and besides, if I'm in the margin of 15,000 Evo rails, I'm going to hire someone to do it for me. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the, the whole infomercial craze in the States in the 90s. It started out with 15-minute abs, mm-hmm. uh, like a workout video, and then it went to 6-minute abs, <laughs> and then it went to 5-minute abs. Four-minute so, study. <laughs> yeah, by 5 minutes, are you even, I mean, are you even doing anything? <laughs> <laughs> It depends. If you buy the shake weight, you're probably doing something. <laughs> shake weight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that, if that doesn't work in 15 minutes, I don't know what does, but that's fine. <laughs> depends on how much it's had to drink, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I might edit that one out. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Okay. 
We went from virtue stream to shake weights. <laughs> okay. And that that's what happens when we don't have the uh, the tempering influence of a guest. So uh, <laughs> as I say, if if you'd like to be be on the show and you've got something interesting to to talk about, then please email guests at vseek.net. Are we are we really begging for guests now? I wouldn't go as far as to say begging. <laughs> and I'm sure we can get plenty of people trying to sell stuff, you know. But as you know, as we've always said about about the show, um, it's it's okay if you work for someone that sells stuff. Just don't try and sell it on the on the pod, podcast. Agreed. Even if it's shake weights. <laughs> yeah, unless it's shake weights. If there's if there's someone that works for shake weights, please come on. We would love to have to talk to you. <laughs> Our next guest is going to be the CEO for shake weights. <laughs> yeah, if you are the CTO or CIO of shake weights, then please we will record at any time, any place, just to be able to say what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> we might have to do video on that one as well. <laughs> Some demonstrations and such. <laughs> proof of concepts, no? <laughs> <laughs> well, looks like uh, that went south pretty quick. So we'll wrap up VSoup 56, just us. Uh, no need to thank a guest this time. As usual, you can catch us on iTunes, VSoup, or VSoup.net, or Stitcher. Thanks.